Within every church, there are both seen and unseen servants, and no doubt, there are many unseen members who will receive greater honor from God than those who are of the seen. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round, and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Finished last week, we actually finished in verse 13, but I want to back up to verse 12 again. If you remember and recall last week, I said that verses 12 and 13 may better fit with the remainder of the chapter, but also use them to give an ending to the message from last week. And I'd mentioned that as we closed out chapter 11, Paul connected the unworthy condition of the Corinthians receiving communion and their being physically weak, being sick, and even some have died. And he kind of set us up for chapters 12 through 14, where he teaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said concerning them that they had not discerned the importance of the Lord's body. And the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. But also the Holy Spirit gives giftings to each one of us that we might better serve the Lord and serve the body of Christ. So this week, we're going to look at a message that I entitled, Though Many, We Are One, looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 31. We're going to see that one body has many members, verses 12 through 19. Every member is necessary, verses 20 through 26, and the body of Christ, verses 27 through 31. In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, the Word tells us, For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. As believers, we are all part of the body of Christ. God has gifted each of us that we might serve Christ and his church. Imagine what the church would look like. If every member served Jesus with his or her God-given giftings, it would not only change the members within the body of that specific church, it would also change those from the outside of the church. It would change the world. And I believe the church is at its best, whereas it says in Galatians 5.13, when through love we serve one another with the giftings that the Lord has given us. 
And so the Holy Spirit has gifted each of us with God-given roles. We pick up in verses 20 through 26, and we find that every member is necessary. Verses 20 through 26 reads, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Paul reiterates here in our text that though we are many, we are one in the body of Christ. And like our physical bodies, which seem to have the stronger and weaker members within our own bodies, each member is important. Each role is important within the church. We find he gives the example of the eye, the hand, the head, and the feet. And he talks about the necessity of the eye and the hand working together. Unless you develop the ability of telekinesis, meaning that you can move objects with your mind, you need your hands. It's the mind that directs the hands to function as they should. And today, we might call that having good eye-hand coordination, recording to the ways that the hand and sight work together able to do what is required. We find this in sports as well. Where would the eye be without the hand? Or where would the hand be without the eye? One without the other would leave us handicapped. The head, here in the Greek, it denotes what is first, what is supreme, the head, the mind, though directing the, the hand, the feet. We find that it moves the body and it's the feet that actually moves the body. The head directs the feet, but the head without the feet can't move the body. It's the head that directs the feet. Where would one be without the other? It would be handicapped. And so we discover that in life, physically, it's possible to function without an eye, without a hand, without our feet. We cannot function without the head. In the body of Christ, Christ is the head of his church, and we must never forget that. In Colossians 1, 17 and 18, it tells us, He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And although the church also consists of weaker and stronger members, each member is necessary for the church to function as God has designed. The Bible tells us that we should do nothing through selfish ambition or through conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than themselves. Let each one of you look out not only for your own interests, 
but also for the interest of others. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. And we find that the honorable and the less honorable are all necessary. And those members of the body, we think some to be more honorable than others. And on the less honorable, Paul says, we bestow greater honor. On the unpresentable parts, greater modesty. He goes through here for the purpose that there should be no division, no schism. Schisma is the Greek word. It means to split, to sever, to tear. And Paul desired, and we find this throughout 1 Corinthians, he did not want division in the body of Christ. He used the same Greek word, schisma, in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, saying, first of all, when you come together as the church, I hear that there is division, schisma, among you. And in part, I believe it. And then again, he referred to it in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak with the same thing, speak the same thing, that there be no division, no schisma, no split among you but that you would be perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. Probably about 30 years ago, I heard an account of D.L. Moody when after the Chicago fire, he went over to England to rest and to uh, study from the theologians there in England. He had went to England not wanting to preach at all. He was exhausted from what had taken place in the city of Chicago when the great Chicago fire took place. And this is what happened and the account given at that time. One Sunday morning, he was persuaded to preach in a church in London. Everything about the service dragged. He wished he had never consented to preach. But there was a woman in the city who had heard of Mr. Moody's work in America and had been asking God to send him to London. This woman was an invalid and her sister was present at the church on that Sunday morning. When the sister came home, she asked her sister, you'll never guess who spoke at the church this morning. And the sister went through the list of possible speakers. And finally she said, no, Mr. Moody from Chicago. This woman turned to her sister. She turned pale. She said, this is an answer to my prayer. If I had known that he was at our church, I should have eaten nothing this morning, but waited on God in prayer. Leave me alone this afternoon. Do not let anyone come to me. Do not send me anything to eat. All that afternoon, the woman gave herself to prayer. As Mr. Moody preached that night, he soon became conscious that there was a different atmosphere in the church. The powers of the unseen world itself seemed to fall upon him and his hearers. As he drew close to the close, he felt impressed to give an invitation. And so he asked the people there if they wanted to accept Christ to rise to their feet. And about four or five hundred people stood. He thought maybe they misunderstood him. So he put the question several ways, and they understood. We find that there, an unseen person working behind the scenes, someone who couldn't leave her house, 
but praying that God would send D.L. Moody there to London, and then discovering that when he came, she prayed all the more, and God moved, the Holy Spirit moved on that church that day. Within every church, there are both seen and unseen servants, and no doubt, there are many unseen members who will receive greater honor from God than those who are of the seen. Pastor Romain, once again, going back to his book, Second, wrote concerning verses 22 and 23 of 1 Corinthians 12, a true assistant pastor knows the more feeble ministries are necessary. An assistant pastor who fixes overflowing bathrooms and does it without fanfare or show is precious in the sight of God. I mean, if you have to uh, announce to the church that, hey, I'm going to go plunge the toilet now, and everybody come and watch, there's something wrong. Just grab the plunger and go do it. And bless your pastor by doing so. Together we suffer and together we rejoice when we all serve in the body of Christ as God intended. And finally, verses 27 through 31, again reading the context. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I will show you a more excellent way. God has appointed, and together we are the body of Christ. Well, individually, God has appointed various ministries. First, apostles. It's a Greek word that simply means one who is sent forth, one who is an ambassador for Christ, one who in biblical days talked about bringing the gospel to both the Jews and the Greeks. Second, he said prophets. It's a word that we looked at last week as well. It means to speak forth the word of God like I am doing right now, but also it refers to being a forth teller, to tell of uh, future events, the prophet or prophecy. Third, teachers. Didaskalos is the Greek word, and it means to teach. In the church, it would refer to teaching the truth of God's word to others. Next, he said miracles. It's a Greek word, dudamis, that we are familiar with here, that speaks about having power or might or strength. But here, referring to that miraculous power. Uh, it's more than the gifts of healings. It is miraculous healings and works that it just amazes people or individuals. And then he lists out the gift of healings. That means the ability to bring healing to someone or to cure to someone, the power to heal. They're the gifts of help, the ability to help others, to direct others. I, I love this gift of helps. Just the individuals that have this basically would come to me or to Pastor Kevin and say, what do you need me to do? Just point me in the right direction and I'll get it done. The gifts of help, it's a beautiful gift. The gift of administration, uh, the Greek word means to govern, 
involving here the governing of the body of Christ within a specific church, but that too is an important part of ministry in itself. The variety of tongues, it is speaking of the glossia, the tongues that the Lord gives, the language that he gives to us, a gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives to some. When writing about serving in the secondary role within the church, once again, Pastor Romain, he recounts a story. I love this story. It's actually of Charles Spurgeon's father. And the story goes like this. One Sunday, Charles Spurgeon was stuck in traffic and late to speak at a packed cathedral. The leaders asked Spurgeon's father to speak in his son's place. And when Charles Spurgeon arrived, his father handed the pulpit over to him, but not before he said the following words. You came to hear my son, not me. And I tell you that he can preach the gospel better than I, yet he has no better gospel to preach than I. Spurgeon's father was a man who knew who he was in the eyes of God. But more importantly, he knew the gospel itself was more important than the one who shares it. God gifts us in various roles, but the ministry of Jesus Christ is the important thing. How we represent Christ, how we present Christ before others, and how we serve Christ before others is the important thing. Do we represent Christ well? So we are to earnestly desire the best gifts. He asked seven rhetorical questions. The answers are all to be no. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer, no. Not everyone has the same giftings. He emphasized that the Lord gives us specific giftings. So when the Lord gifts us, then we are to use the giftings that we have been given. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it tells us, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has placed each one of us in the body of Christ to edify and to minister to one another. And we each have either a spiritual gift or spiritual giftings. When we consider the sign gifts, some may seem to have more natural ability. It could be that they are just naturally inclined to do certain things. But it's important that we take the gifts that the Lord gives us and develop these gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 tells us, Even so you, since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. We're zealous for spiritual gifts. We're to do it for the edification of the church, that we should seek to excel in the church itself, but the body of Christ to see it excel together. And then in verse 31, he's actually setting us up for chapter 13. Of course, we didn't have chapter breaks when it was originally written. It was simply a letter written to the church of Corinth. But he says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will yet show you a more excellent way. 
to be earnest. It speaks about being zealous, to burn with the zeal, to strive after. It's actually a Greek word that speaks about busying oneself. We are to earnestly desire the best gifts. We're to seek after them. But Paul says, I'll show you a more excellent way, a more superior way. Paul, in his exhortation, he wants to present, as coming up in chapter 13, this great discourse on love. But I ask the question, do you, do I, earnestly desire the best gifts? I don't know if I have that type of desire in my heart. It's really something to ponder. I think maybe in times past I had an earnest desire to preach the gospel, but now 20 plus years of preaching here in the pulpit of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, do I have that same zeal that I'd once had? Or have I grown accustomed or comfortable in the position that I've had? So it's a reminder to each of us to have that zeal, to be zealous about the gifts that God has given us. Today we have learned, though many, we are one in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 through 31 that we are one body but many members verses 12 through 19 teaches us that the holy spirit has gifted each of us with god-given roles every member is necessary verses 20 through 26 therefore we suffer together we rejoice together for we are all one in the body of christ and finally, the body of Christ itself, verses 27 through 31, I ask the question, do we earnestly desire the best gifts? Are we seeking after the best? Know this, that we are one in the Spirit, and we are one in the Lord, and that we should desire to pray that all unity may one day be restored. Why did the author write it this way? Because he had seen within the church that it lacks the unity necessary to fulfill all that God desires for the church. Would it be that the world would know that we are Christians by our love, that they would know that we are Christians by our love? Church audience, as well as our radio, our Facebook audience, it's my hope that you realize that Jesus is the Savior of the world and have received his gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. For those who are listening on air, we have here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, believe, receive, grow, and go. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Next, we have the word for our church motto, believe, receive, in Romans 5, 17, it tells us, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We must believe that there is a God. We must receive Jesus Christ, his Son. But we also must grow in our faith. 2 Peter 3, 18 tells us, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And then we have to go. 
The Word tells us the Lord commissioned us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. If you have asked Jesus to be your Savior, or if you have questions about faith, please don't hesitate to talk to me if you're here, or to email us if you're watching or listening, watching online or listening through the radio. You can email us at cclv at comcast.net. I would just encourage you to continue to reach out to others, your friends, family, co-workers, to reach out to others. It could mean so much to uh, email them, text them, call them, write a note to them, be an encouragement to them. And again, if you have any questions or prayer need, please reach out through our church's webpage at cclv.org. I pray that God would bless you, that he would keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. And remember, the Lord has gifted each one of us. So together, let's serve for the glory of God. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.